podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yes, yes, yes. And welcome back to the Fresh Arsenal podcast with me, PB. And today I'm joined by Pat. Hi, Pat. How's it going? Another PB and the yes, yes, yes is back again. It's the PB duo. And uh, we're here to talk to you about, uh, I don't know, has anything, has anything <laughs> happened since we last spoke, Pat? Not really. Mourinho getting sacked. Uh, us, you know, Matt Ryan with a pre-assist. And then obviously this uh, Super League malarkey. That was a brilliant pre-assist, wasn't it? It was really good. That's the type of header that I make in uh, at my level. And I pretend it was a pre-assist, but really I was trying to score. <laughs> Do you think he was trying to score? I, well, he had the, the free kick, uh, the corner just before land pretty much square on his head and it got deflected out for another corner, didn't he? Mm. And it was basically the exact same run that he made after yeah. that, uh, just a bit more outside the goal. And yeah, It's weird because it he's, not, he's not very tall, is he? No, but, he's not. Know. He's not. He definitely felt like that was his moment. I suppose when Eagerly. you come on loan and you've got um, a couple of games, he probably knew that you know that might be his last game potentially mm. To, mm. to show something. So, what better way to earn a contract than score a, a last-minute equaliser? But yeah, he played his part, and uh, obviously Arsenal drew one-one with Fulham on Sunday. Yeah, and uh, since we last spoke as well, Arsenal advanced in the Europa League. And more recently, the news that uh, broke sort of alongside the games yesterday about the breakaway uh, proposed European Super League, which has sort of taken over, hasn't it, Pat? It's uh, it's quite hard for us to talk too much about the football on the field yeah. uh, when, when this has sort of come to light and just seems to be growing by the hour, really, with more and more stuff coming out. Yeah. What's, what's, your, what's your take on it all? The reason it's really hard to speak about football, right? And and sure, we could get into the uh, intricacies of you know the film game and the, the Prague game, which we won't. But it just feels like if you do talk about football, it feels like it's not really leading up or worth anything, if that makes sense. Mm. So the reason why we analyse the Fulham game or the Prague game is because they have some significance, right? Like Everton and Spurs drew. We played Fulham. Mm. If we'd won, we would have been in the running for kind of maybe coming sixth. Uh, maybe fifth even if, if results came our way I, don't, I think fourth is obviously way too far away uh, mm. and now it just looks like the league doesn't really matter for us but and again Prague like you beat them you qualify to the semi-finals and then if you get to the finals you have a chance of win- winning that and getting Champions League football for next season but obviously now like what are we playing the Europa League for Mm. right if 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 I mean, it's a one-off are... trophy isn't it, it, it it's like yeah, it's like great. the fa cup value if if this all goes ahead um, great because like, as you say yeah. it's not the golden ticket to the champions league and yeah if there was no clearly champions the club league ticket then yeah there's way less significance for me personally as a fan like i feel mm. all, already after the film result which means that the league season is is kind of over in terms of like us caring too much about it i, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a lot more rotation in the coming weeks mm. um and again in the europa league like for me it was kind of like well you know if we can get back to the to the promised land and financially equip ourselves to build a far better squad then we can actually be amongst Europe's elite again and mm. really be in the top four regularly and maybe compete for the title in like four or five years. But now all of that seems quite alien to me and it seems quite like I've really... The, the emotion that I had in being invested in that journey has now basically distilled into something that is quite detached from that if that makes sense like mm. the greed that we've seen and the, the announcement that we've seen just makes me think like what is the actual point of of being emotionally invested in that journey now yeah it just numbs it all doesn't it and i think uh you know a year on from from when uh covid sort of started uh taking over the uk and i think this time a year ago we were in a in a complete freeze of all football and we, we had that sort of numbing football feeling for those few months and uh, just as it looked like we were sort of moving past that and even getting crowds back into stadiums mm. and the fans and the passion was really coming back it's just numbed the whole community and and any listeners who are on twitter or just 
any sort of group chats with their friends, I'm, I'm sure it's dominating the conversation. Yeah. At the moment, and and we've the seen on this the field stuff. It's just numb, isn't it? Yeah, it's so numb. Like for me, it was a uh, as you know, both of us we kind of work in football, right? Like hmm. I, I think I posted something on on LinkedIn or, or something, which was kind of like you know, this is a is a major gut punch, and it's definitely the most nauseous I felt when in relation to football since. Uh, I, you know, when I saw Daniel Regani and, and Mikel Arteta get COVID this time last year, for me, that was like, a, oh shit, like mm. this is real and, you know, football was stopping. And that felt really sickening to me as like a, uh, someone who's very passionate about the sport. And to, and yesterday night was the exact same feeling, but 10x worse. Like it just, it was like, a, it, it was almost something like like a football equivalent of like Black Mirror, but like not as mm. extreme. It was mm. so weird. It was like, okay, like what is actually going on here? You know, mm. United were about to play a game. Oleg and Solskjaer was interviewed after and he was like, I literally had no idea about it. It just all seems cloak and dagger. To, to me, how I described it was like, it just feels like corrupt politicians are you know behind this if that makes sense it's corrupt politicians basically working in the private sector in football it was one of those things what it is. That, yeah it was one of those things where kind of everyone had to come out together and say it otherwise it would have would have uh, sort of all fallen apart so i don't think it's right at all but i understand um why no one knew at kind of ground level even sure. managers and and players because it had to be that united and it was a very united extremely strong uh Thing. I mean, when I first saw it, I just thought it was, remember Project Big Picture or, or, or something similar a few months ago, and um, that was sort of just battered away quite quickly. But this, you know, very quickly became extremely serious things. Sort of all the clubs involved uh, set out um, similar statements in the evening. And uh, it looks like this is this is really going to happen, or, or at least some compromise, I, I would imagine, will happen. But... Yeah, as you say, I mean, for me, I, I still, we, we as fans and, and the players obviously need to focus and try and crack on with the Europa League at least and, and win it for a trophy, I think. But yeah. in terms of the Premier League now, tuning in, because I know some people didn't want Europa League qualification anyway, but I, I still want to finish as high as possible and, mm. and I, I want to be in some kind of Europe. So, so I did. Uh, now... As you say, if this goes ahead, I mean, it's redundant because it doesn't matter where we finish. If you're not top of the league in, in the current proposed format, if you're not top of the league and winning the actual trophy itself, every other position is uh, sort of devalued. So no, I'm sure lots of stuff will come out um, moving forward and, and we'll see, I think, some kind of compromise. But yeah, we wanted to open up this this podcast um, to you guys really and 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 get some questions in because it's difficult for us to talk about football but if if people wanted to talk about on the field things we would um but as expected really most of you have sent in some questions around the super league um so should we get started with those pat yeah and this is an arsenal podcast right so predominantly we're going to be talking about how this impacts arsenal and arsenal being one of those 12 clubs means it's very you know very pertinent isn't it mm. And I think the first thing I'd say is, you know, selfishly for Arsenal uh, and the owners of Arsenal, this is clearly something they didn't want to miss out on. And I think if Arsenal said no, another club would have taken their their space. Yeah, and did I did I see something about? And I'm not again, I'm not justifying this at all. But did I see something around that like? if there was a lot of chat about oh kick them out of the Premier League apparently mm. I don't know if this tweet's like factually correct I wish Carl was here because he's the voice of reason but um you need three quarters of clubs to agree on something for it to be passed through yeah um, I really don't think that's going to happen the no I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying but like to cover their own backs the evil genius behind this was to have six teams rather than Mm. You know, three or four or five I don't know I don't know who would have been picked but yeah I, I guess you know like th the thing I would say to that Ollie is like whilst I agree someone would have done it instead of us it does seem though that like us and United and Liverpool in particular um behind the scenes our ownership have had a, a big uh 
hand in this or hands in mm, this, right? Sure. The, the glazes. And I don't think it's right. You know, don't don't get me wrong. I, I really don't want this to happen. But in my eyes, this has been inevitable for some time. And as we've seen, UEFA were planning something quite similar. Um, and I think, you know, there's a few other suggestions coming through. Whoever could get the money was always going to get it. And I think this is a, a rivaled sort of cut out the middleman project. Um, and I don't think the makeup of it is right. I think eventually there will be some sort of compromise for it to be implemented. But I do think something like this was inevitable when, you know, UEFA themselves have been pretty poor uh, in the last, you know, we've seen financial fair play. I, I, I saw a tweet on that yesterday and that really resonated with me. You know, Arsenal built their stadium and their structure around UEFA's financial yeah. fair play, uh, which was introduced about 10 years ago. And basically UEFA allowed clubs like Manchester City, Paris Saint-Germain to move around that. Chelsea. And, and yeah, Chelsea and it's left, left us worse off. So, yeah. you know, we respected those rules of, of UEFA and those governing bodies. So, I don't feel allegiance to them. No, I think, absolutely I think not. The domestic problems it causes are, are my biggest issue. Um, but I do think that some sort of compromise may see that uh, aided. But um, yeah, I mean, I didn't want it to happen, but but it just felt a bit inevitable to me. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think from a business standpoint, right, if you're an American owner and you're looking at this and you're like, football is the biggest sport in the world, it's the biggest in the UK. The viewership figures are like just grossly bigger than any other sport out there. And you look at some of these NFL franchises, right, that are like worth more than a lot of the big football clubs. And you're like, there's probably an opportunity here to make these football clubs worth three, four X the, the billions that they currently are. Um, and that's, if I look at it, the, the, the kind of, you know, analytical very cold way that's what they would have been thinking mm. um and uh i think you know i was listening to the ask cast like uh, a couple hours ago and i think james gunnerblog was saying something like someone very close to arsenal and, and who knows the current quite well was saying that apparently stan would be you know he's licking his lips at this this kind of the, the, the thought oh, of, of this yeah. um and the other thing i want to say is it like, saves arsenal from a selfish p- perspective of of our owners I mean, they're very lucky it's happened at this point because for how much longer would we be invited to something like this? I, I know we're a big club, but we're sort of going through a sustained period yeah. of being outside those that sort of elite level club. And we're, and we're one of the worst teams on that list without question uh, <laughs> of teams that are in it. So Until it's, a golden, it's a golden ticket for him, for sure. Yeah. And, and I think like the other thing is, if you if you think about UEFA and how they make their money, right? Mm. Like selling the TV rights of the Champions League, which is watched by countless hundreds of millions a year, billions of people. Um, like there is a threat there massively that if you don't have these 13 clubs, 12 clubs rather, and maybe 15 um, mm. competing here, like what do you sell? Like what? Do, what do you? Because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Premier League clubs should should ban them. Like, think about how much the TV rights are going to for for BT and Sky Sports. Like, you wouldn't be able to sell them for a tenth, a twentieth without those clubs. Like, I think people are really underestimating the power that these clubs have. And now, mm. look, I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying that that's the reality of the situation. Like, we, we live in a world where it's very, you know, supply and demand driven. Like, the demand is driven by those big clubs and those big franchises and it's just impossible. Like UEFA do not really have a leg to stand on here. Like mm. the only thing that can be intervened by is if there's some government intervention or regulation, which I, I really don't agree with. And, you know, fucking trusting any kind of UK form of government to regulate football is, is a scary thought. Um, and then secondly, um, you know, the, the footballers, like if the players are just like, look, we're going to unionize or we're going to not play in this thing then you have a situation where the clubs then lose their power in this in this situation. But it mm. seems as though that the footballers haven't been notified about this. Yeah. Um, and something like that might come from the footballers. Yeah, but um, sure. the, the cynic in me says they will follow the money as well. Um, and if this competition has, you know, because I've seen a lot of people saying, 
well, a load of players will leave and join Leicester or whatever because they're they're more they've got more integrity and all of this. But if they can earn more money, um, the sad thing is, as we've seen, you know, we've seen money move around to clubs with not much history or weren't in great positions in the last ten years, and and players have gone there. So, but but like surely. If it was a like big attempt by footballers together, yeah, it would need all... to be a huge, huge but, but it wouldn't have to even be the huge. Like, if 40% of the footballers of those, top yeah, but that teams, is huge. Yeah. yeah, but like, it's not, I don't think it's unthinkable because essentially what you would do is mm. like, you'd say, We're not going to play in this thing. They, the, the Super League, have no kind of, they have no product to sell. Uh, and then they have to negotiate with the Champions League. The clubs have to negotiate with Champions League to get a bigger cut whenever they're in the in the tournament, and the players still get paid in the end, and they probably will get paid a lot more in the future if if those clubs get a bigger cut of Champions League revenue. Like I just think it's. I think yeah, I think it's again. And I think this, and I think this is how it's how it's going to go, right? I think you're right, Oli, in, in the fact that there will be some sort of compromise between yeah. these big clubs who are saying like, look we respect the footballing pyramid or they'll say something along those lines. But at the end of the day, we are the ones driving the demand here. Uh, mm. We need to make our money's worth. And and look, I don't think that should be a sticking, a sticky thing, right? I don't think the same 12 clubs should always make the most money from the Champions League. Oh. But if you're thinking about it from a purely business perspective and say in one Premier League season, you have Liverpool, Spurs, Leicester and Villa as the Champions League four spots, it, you know, a lot of from a purely TV revenue standpoint, and not like uh, you know the money you make from from going through the rounds. Hmm. You could very easily argue if you're like Liverpool or or whoever else that like there's no way Villa should make as much money on that of as us than this. So again, it's really convoluted, complicated. I think for me, uh, just one final point before we get into the questions. Like for me, a lot of people are like it will never happen. It will never happen, and that's like true. For me, the very fact that it's been attempted to happen, and I know there's been foreshadowing about it, and I know that you know we've had Spanish League Cups played in Saudi Arabia, we've had Club World Cups played in wherever, we've had uh, teams going on American and Asian tours for the last like few years to try and build their brands, we've had Arsenal buy certain players just to get a bigger market share and audience in certain countries. Like this has been happening behind the back, behind the scenes, and in, in all sports as in well, in all sports for the last like yeah. 15, 20 years, and. Mm as you enter an age of internet and digital when you want to make things more global it makes sense i understand all of that what i what i think this just attempt does is i think it really waters down the the values that are behind football and makes this like such a great sport the kind of mm. uh, the working class background that it has you know if you think about in in britain especially if we think about kind of world war ii and you know how german english soldiers had had a game of football on christmas day all that kind of stuff like this is ingrained in our in our culture and so many other countries cultures it it the the, the attempt alone i think really harms that if that makes sense mm. and i think just just a final thing as well like for me the european super league as a product and i know this might be me saying this is a very very passionate like football crazy post person but i just don't see how that product can be sold to that great a level that it will make all these clubs a, a ridiculous amount of money because like the reason I, I think i tweeted something like the reason why the psg Bayern munich game was so good right those two legs were so good because it was novel and that feeling you get isn't something you get every week like you can go from watching a leeds burnley and then next week you've got Bayern munich psg in the champions league that happens maybe once a season or once mm. every three years or whatever like i feel like as an arsenal fan how do you get excited if every single game you play in that competition is against a really, really big team? I, I just, battered. yeah, well, like that's that, that aside, but right? Think, like, yeah. do, do you see what I mean? Like, yeah, I, it's, it's, I, kind, I it's kind this... of like when you have when you have eight El Clascos in a season. Like, mm. I, I can guarantee you the viewership figures of just having two El Clascos is more than like not in not in totality, but per game is more than having like a season where you have like five or six in a in a season. I guarantee it. There's no way it's not. Yeah, I th I think this has been born out of not not necessarily problems in the Premier League because I think our league's very entertaining uh, and you know anything can happen every week. But when you see you know this, the teams in Spain um, and other 
European countries that are more dominant or, or have less entertaining games. I think, you know, the concept behind it is to just bring more of that high level entertainment. But I do completely get what you're saying in terms of it increases the, you know, the number of those types of games and, and does that reduce the excitement. I just got two more, two more things to say, sorry. Like I, from a Premier League standpoint, all those clubs are very well remunerated for being in the Premier League. Liga and Serie A, the way that their TV deals work, stadium ownerships, all that kind of stuff, like it's way more flat and it's way less lucrative. Mm. But I just don't see why Barcelona should be bailed out of a billion euro debt for yeah, being a big club. It, yeah. it really does, doesn't it? Like it's, mm. it's kind of like they're sitting there and they're like, wow, we really can't sustain a business anymore because this and league Madrid. doesn't allow us. Yeah, Madrid as well. Um, you know, the, this league does not allow us to sustain ourselves. It's kind of like, well, actually, you've just run a business really poorly right mm. that's that's the bottom line of it right they bought Coutinho for 160 million they um you know Madrid bought Hazard for 80 million plus god knows what's wages they gave Gareth Bale 700k a week like I just I I feel it's not quite like a a, a bank bailout of 08 <laughs> but it's mm. it's kind of like well, we can't do this anymore with this league hey let's try this new one yeah I mean it's I been know. driven massively by uh Real Madrid's um Perez yeah Fiorentino uh, Perez and he's, uh, yeah, I mean, they're in financial trouble as well. So I, obviously money's behind it. I think, you know, that's the first thing for us to say. Obviously it is, but money is behind everything. Money, you know, money's behind what Sky and BT are doing. Money's yeah, I'm, oh, I mean, Premier look, League and look, UEFA are look, doing. At, look at how Sky are hyping up Monday Night Football today, right? Mm. What, what, yeah. like, they're not like buzzing about this, but <laughs> like, I can bet you a bit on dollar it's going to be very, very well watched tonight, Monday Night Football, and they're going to be happy yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, the advertisers are going to be happy about that. The corporation are going to be happy. Like it's, mm. it's news for them to sell. And you know, as as irate and angry, and truthfully, I think Gary Neville and Jamie Carrier are obviously really pissed off about this as, as former players, former working class blokes, and uh, fans, and former players of clubs that they thought had great values. But at the end of the day, like Sky are basically selling this kind of fury and, and anger and disdain towards this massively mm. so i think it's it's a it's a whole storm of just nonsense really <laughs> yeah yeah before we get into the questions i i thought it, it would be useful to um i'm sure everyone's had a look at the statement but just just to clarify on a couple of bits and also amongst the uh flurry of of tweets last night from and from fake, many passionate tweets <laughs> yeah, some fake news as well. But um, there was some some interesting tweets as well. So I'm going to read out a couple of those sure. before we get into the discussion. So as I say, I'm sure most of you have heard the heard the statement, but I just think with the flurry of, as you say, Pat, uh, fake news um, going around, it's worth us looking at, at exactly what Arsenal have said as a club alongside uh, the other the other European clubs that uh, put up the statement. So. They opened with, we have joined 11 European clubs as founding members of a new midweek competition, the European Super League. So the first thing there is to note that it's a midweek competition. Obviously, it affects the Premier League um, in terms of we have qualification spots for UEFA competitions at the moment. And that would sort of be no more under the current proposal. So the first thing to say, it's a midweek competition. It's not a proposal to for these clubs to leave the Premier League. The Premier League may decide to take that action, but as we've already sort of said, we think that's extremely unlikely. So I think it's probably economically and, I don't know, impossible. legally impossible. So yeah. So, so this is, you know, a proposal to replace the current Europa League, uh, Champions League and... Uh, or even Europa League conference that was supposedly starting. So it's a rival to UEFA who, who run those competitions. Uh, Arsenal went on to say, there's lots more to do to bring the competition to life and we'll continue to update our supporters as things progress. And uh, they go on to say that they will start the competition at the earliest convenience, I think uh, they said. So I think they do aim to, to kick this off next season, which as we sort of said earlier, makes the current Premier League campaign and even, you know, part of the Europa League Cup excitement feel kind of redundant. Um, I'm sure you've seen the clubs that, that uh, have signed up so far. 
six Premier League clubs, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Manchester United and Tottenham. So that makes up half of the 12 that have signed up to date. They clearly uh, have sort of saved free spaces for, you'd think, I think they would like PSG, uh, Bayern Munich and uh, and one more. I think Dortmund have mm. said they, they definitely won't. Leipzig as well. Yeah. So... Can I just say quickly one thing? Right? Yeah, go for it. Are Premier League clubs doing these clubs that need bailing out a favour by doing this? It yeah, feels I like it, so. doesn't it? Yeah. Because, because surely if you're Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, United, City, Spurs, you could actually say, well, we could split it. But realistically, we know that apart from Madrid and Barcelona, none of you guys are on our level revenue wise. Mm. So yeah. why would we split it uh, equitably? Like mm. someone like Milan into uh, Atletico Madrid, like they must be laughing at the thought of mm. that, right? Mm. Uh, their, their owners must be thinking like, wow, like, you know, we're getting we're getting the same amount for like m- making like half as many, quarter as many eyes come onto this. It's just, mm. I just, I think it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. the Premier League clubs felt, you know, they were doing very well in comparison uh, to the other sort of European clubs that have, that have signed up. So I, I completely get what you're saying because the Premier League was sort of taking over. But I think it's worth saying that considering that, how has the Premier League and, and what it's done in terms of revenue been viewed across the continent and um, whether that's been correct? And um, obviously, we've got the most sellable league and uh, we've done well as a league to, to market it. But, you know, another example of is everything that's currently happening perfect? No. Uh, perfect and fair across the continent? No. And I don't think this is either. But it's a money grab from everyone. And in terms of why are the Premier League clubs doing it, I think for Arsenal it makes massive sense because we're dropping off and mm-hmm. this protects us. I think the same for Spurs. Uh, Liverpool, I think they've got to a very high level recently, but I think their owners would like to protect that and and uh, you know only invest what they get in. So this would give them a good good model moving forward. I think it makes less sense for the Manchester clubs. Um and I think I read somewhere that Manchester City were the most hesitant of the teams. Was that? I'm not sure if that was 100% factual. Um, but that would make sense to me. So just to continue on with their statement, um, there was one more thing. Uh, going forward, the founding clubs look forward to holding discussions with UEFA and FIFA to work together <laughs> in partnership to deliver the best outcomes for the new league and football as a whole. So as you will have seen from, from things coming out in the news, I mean, working together seems unlikely because the proposal is rival direct products. rival. Yeah, it's They're a direct rival. You can't compete in both. It's I think like... they, they can work together with the domestic leagues um, to figure out how that's going to work because, you know, obviously it's a midweek competition. They're very clear that was in the first sentence. You know, it's not proposing to replace domestic leagues. It's, uh, as you say, it's a rival to UEFA's products, the, the Europa League and the Champions League. And um, yeah, so go and read the full statement if you haven't already, just to, to make sure you're getting all the facts. Um, but I wanted to draw on, I don't know if you saw uh, the Wenger quote that surfaced from 10 years ago. I, I think I know what one it is, but I mm. don't... Um... So back in 2009, uh, Wenger said, maybe in 10 years you'll have a European league. The money that will be coming in from the Champions League will not be enough for some clubs. And then more recently in 2018, he said it's inevitable to share money between the big clubs and the small clubs will become a problem. So, I mean, I think people involved in football at certain levels um, have seen this coming for some time. And, and I actually remember Wenger saying that uh, at the time before I sort of saw that tweet there is definitely inevitability about it um, and the last tweet that I think is interesting from Rafael Hernandez yeah he's been, he's been doing some really good tweeting on this mm. so he he's done a little thread uh, which I retweeted on my timeline at Ollie Price Bates if you want to go and have a look but he sort of just simplified everything last yeah. night um, which which is definitely needed 
at a time like this. So I'm just going to read through what he said quickly. So he said, the Super League will be a midweek competition, as we've said, between the world's biggest clubs. That's basically it. He goes on to say, this is what will happen. A lot of money will go to the founding clubs, which is, what was the figure on that bet? The amount of money that all the founding clubs are going to get? Was it like, was it either 350 million per year or was that a package of like 3.5 billion? I think billion? it's two point, yeah, two or 3.5 billion between the 12 clubs. Yeah. Um, I mean, just, just for context as well, right? There were some rumours of Porto joining mm. the league, right? They as a club are worth 300, 300 million. <laughs> they, they're worth 300 million pounds as a club, right? Mm. So if you're given what your club is worth and some yeah. to join this thing, if you're Porto, mm. like how can what you... What does that do to the Portuguese league? I mean, that, that's <laughs> at the root of everyone's problem. Again. Um, with the yeah. Premier League. And if you think it's going to be a problem in the Premier League, I mean, look at the Portuguese league. What what 350 million a year or whatever it is but like Porto is going to do to that as we, as, as we said, like every decision that's being made by football clubs now is being done to grow and commercialise them further. Like, let's take it for the... Uh, for example... There's been a, a a lot of chat about Belgium and Holland joining their leagues together. I don't know if you've seen mm. much chat about this, Ollie, but like, yeah, yeah. why do you think those two leagues are thinking about joining forces? Well, it's money, isn't it? It's yeah. obviously money. It's to have yeah. a more competitive league, to go up the UEFA co- coefficients, to attract bigger talent, pay them mm. more money, make more money, be able to sell international TV um uh, advertising deals and, and hosting deals like it's everything that's being done right now is to do with fun, uh, money and like look that's bad I don't like it um, mm. that's the kind of reality that I've accepted what I what I really dislike from like this in effect is kind of the marginaliz- marginalization of uh, smaller clubs grassroots women's football all that kind of stuff i think uh, and you agree ollie i think you alluded to earlier that's the, mm. the crux of the issue and mm. like the values that football was supposed to perpetuate has seemed to be dissipating uh, mm. quite quickly yeah so it's worth worth adding on as well um that 15 founding club obviously 12 so far that they see it being 15 founding clubs uh, and there will be five qualification spots exactly how people qualify is not being sort of detailed, but it is aligned with domestic performance. So, I mean, there is an element of qualification, but it appears it will just be sort of the highest placed from the top five leagues that aren't already in it or something Mm -hmm. like that, Um, which obviously isn't very exciting or rewarding. And uh, there may be some kind of playoff. I don't know how this is going to work for, teams from smaller European nations um, outside of the major five leagues, whether they get a chance at all, whether there's any sort of qualifying system in place in the proposal. I'm not clear on that at the moment. Um, But Raf goes on to say the Champions League and Europa League won't cease to exist. They won't have the Super League clubs involved, but he thinks they will uh, continue and be much more balanced like European football was in the past. Obviously, it won't be as exciting, but people will tune in for sure. So, I mean, it's hard to see those competitions personally for me continuing w- without the Super League clubs, but I understand what he's saying. You I mean, know, they fo- continue just in bigger. like a really, really, really small version. Well, like- essentially, Champions League becomes the Europa League. Europa League Europa becomes, League becomes a step the step down the conference Europa League or whatever was going to happen. So it definitely dilutes the... But yeah, I mean, is look, it, look, but is it not doing at, the same thing as what the Europa League conference was going to do? It, it's ultimately it's getting more Yeah, but they're just, they're just flipping on its head, right? Yeah, and they're protecting... And, and, and look, I hate this fucking line from UEFA, which was kind of like... Uh, or, or, I don't know what who, who came up with this quote where they were like, the reason we've done this is because there's too many games that aren't that, that important in football at the moment mm. and in my head i was like this is two years after the nations league like got announced mm. <laughs> and two years after like the world cup uh extended to however many countries are going to play in qatar is it 64 or something ridiculous like that like mm. i just you know and it's in qatar and it's mm. in qatar that was you know pure pure corruption of the highest order in football to mm. you know not not use too much ac12 vocabulary again but like i just 
it's just mental to to think that someone's come out with that and said, you know, one of the reasons we're doing this, I don't know if it was from reference to the to reform of the, the Champions League and Europa League competitions, which again, I thought were not too far away from the Europe, uh, European Super League. Like if you actually look at them to the bare bones, it's not too dissimilar. They've, it's just whether, like who's gotten there first. Like, I think mm. it's just this whole like, oh, too many games are, are played that aren't important. Like, if anything, there's way more games that are played now that aren't important than there were. Yeah. Like I mean, they're ago. looking, they're it's looking ridiculous. to justify, you know, why they haven't got it. But um, yeah, I mean, we could talk about it all day, and there's there's so much discussion on Twitter. And um, let's get into some questions because I think we'll be going a good half an hour, and we did say we'll uh, we'll answer your questions. <laughs> so I will pick the first one, which is from Sam Pryor at Goon Pryor. He says, with guaranteed European involvement each season, what is the incentive to do well in the Premier League once any chance of coming first is lost, other than one-upmanship over rivals? And I think I think this is a lot of what people have been saying recently. Obviously, that's it's, it's a big part of the problem with this proposal. But yeah. it did get me thinking, it's kind of how we've felt all season as fans when, when it's but not forever. been possible. Imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I mean, once once we were sixteenth in December, chance of top four, which was really all we wanted, was gone. Yeah, and we've kind of just been trying to learn about the players, learn about the manager, and and, and try and enjoy Premier League games. But really, the passion and the you know just the the real drive to do well was kind of lost. And yeah when we've dropped points, it's not felt anywhere near as bad um, as it would if we were in a top four or, or a title chase. So that feeling being permanent, even when you're doing well, but you're not top is scary um, because I think it kills a lot of love for the game for me personally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, I know Leicester won the league a few years ago, but it's so rare that that's going to happen. And once he's, Super League clubs have, have got the rare. money. It's rare, right? But like Leicester are third right now. Hmm. Villa went from being almost relegated to being like a top nine, ten club in a season. Yeah. It, it, like that's reward for like being well run and on and off the pitch. And Yeah, I, and they I will get like, a financial reward yeah. for placing in the Premier League. But what I'm trying to say is with, with the Super League, the six Premier League clubs involved are going to have a massive boost um, financially for the level of players they're going to have for the Premier League. So for the, you know, thinking with my non-Arsenal head on in terms of how the Premier League is going to feel for them, it will just feel for clubs of other teams outside of this six. It just feels like a fight to survive in the Premier League for the Premier League money. And once you're safe, you haven't really got anything else to play for. I mean, if the Champions League and the Europa League does continue to exist, um, you know, for those clubs, then you've got that. For Arsenal, as uh, as Sam's saying, you're protected by the fact that you're going to be, I think it's 23 years we signed up with um, the Super League. It's just come out. So we're protected by the fact that we're in this Super League for 20, 23 years. <laughs> you know, the Premier League, once you're not going to win it, there isn't anything. Sam, is my answer to your question, From in my opinion, I don't know if, if Pat, you have any other thoughts it would just be a fight to finish above Tottenham as he says yeah I mean like the thing is right um people have talked about the football pyramid in the UK but like mm. the reason it kind of functions is because the top teams at the top of the pyramid get to compete against Europe's elite and mm. the money that comes in from those trickles down right let's let's talk about an example United are in the Champions League they then go spend 80 million on Harry Maguire uh, Sheffield United get a fee of that because they trained him, et cetera, et cetera. Hull also get like a small fee for, for buying him from Sheffield United, all, mm. all that kind of stuff. And that's that's possible because of the Champions League money. Like this is going to be a massive trickle down effect um, for like the clubs that get into the Champions League because they won't make as much money. Yeah. Like, I mean, Grealish will will go for 100 million this summer if this carries on because yeah. you'll have all of the the top six in the Premier League that are going into the Super League wanting him. Yeah, uh, and his price goes up. So, so yeah, it's a good point that, that, I, that I more think, money will trickle down as well. 
uh, more money will trickle down but like I, I guess what i'm saying is like the it's a good and a bad thing the money trickles down but the bad thing is the money is concentrated in those top six because if you're let's say west ham and you come in the top four and suddenly you make what you would like you know you make 10 times less what you would have made in the original champions league because they just simply can't sell as much sponsorship to gazprom and mastercard um do you know what i mean like it's just mm. it, it's it's a bit like well okay it, and they'd uh, lose yeah, all their players at the end of every season i mean that kind that kind of happens anyway with the big clubs but it'll be more more of the case than, than it ever has been oh, i don't it? know because like we were getting into a position i think where uh, liverpool arsenal spurs even to an extent united like they, you can't go out and just buy Yuri Tielemans and Ndidi and, and, and. Like, yeah. they're expensive. Leicester would charge a lot of money for those players. But won't these big six have massive squads if you're yeah. expected to do so well? I mean, now you're always going to have, like, 22 elite players, aren't you? Yeah, you now they to. will, and now they'll spend a lot of money. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, like, we were finally getting to a more, I suppose, equitable kind of place where... Although these players, although these teams didn't have as much money, um, they were still able to buy the odd player, but like just not like all the time. And mm. because some of these players, for the likes of Leicester, Villa, etc., have gotten that their, their recruitment and their ability on and off the pitch has gotten so much better, they're able to charge like massive amounts for their players. So mm. I just, yeah, I just uh, it's it's such Tricky. a weird thing. The the yeah. incentive side of things is really interesting and. I guess people are talking about, like, oh, well, you know, like that's not going to be exciting, like which is what I've said, right? You know, that the lack of novelty in playing the best teams every week is not very exciting to me. But I think it, it also waters down the domestic games as well, because like mm. if you're Arsenal and you come 12th and you don't win the league, what the fuck's the point? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about this a lot as a, as a whole concept, which I think is the right thing to do. Um, as we've sort of said, for Arsenal's owners, we can see why they've decided to do it because it, it saves them for their bad management uh, over the last 10 years. But equally also, they have been adhering to things that UEFA put in place, like financial fair play, and they've been bitten, bitten in the back by them. So, yeah, it, it, it's a massive mess. It's going to be really interesting to see how we come out. But let's uh, let's get on to the next question. Do you have one? There, no, I just so. quickly wanted to say, like, I think uh, a lot of people have kind of made out the point which is like, oh, look how vehemently UEFA have come out as soon as their pockets aren't uh, are being threatened. But when it comes to like racist abuse, which we mm. saw Kamara receive <laughs> for Rangers, it was kind mm. of like, you know, here you go, 10 game ban. And that was it. You know, yeah. I think it's yeah. I think there is also that. uh the, the lack of humanity, the values that this this game is supposed to uphold have been watered down, not only by the corporate standard side of things, but like, uh, what, I guess what I'm trying to say is like the prioritization of that corporate side of the game over the humane, like rights of people and also the kind of uh, the values that this game is supposed to uphold, which is... Yeah, they really don't care. They've, they've, they've proven that in, in many cases, they don't care about this the is things really they're claiming answer. to care about. Yeah, you know, as the reason for why they're opposing this is, mm. is not true. You can see straight through them, and it's I know people emotionally don't like change and 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 you know want to keep the integrity of things, but we can't ignore the fact that the organisations like UEFA, who are going to lose out, you know, have done a lot of wrong um, mm. recently as and well. And a lot of people are like, I think I, I tweeted this right, and it's kind of blown up. Um, UEFA failed the financial fair play and has actively tried to create a Super League in the past. FIFA have tried to expand the World Cup for years and sold the World Cup to Qatar. Like, they literally sold it to them. There is there is literal files that show a lot of the FIFA execs were bribed. Uh, BT and Sky tried to charge us $14.99 for Brighton versus Burnley. Like, a lot of people have been like, oh, that was actually the Premier League's idea. It's like, yes, but who was supposed to stump up the cash? Mm. <laughs> the broadcasters are us and the broadcasters try to shift it on us. So like what yeah. I'm saying is UEFA are not the good guys here at all. They're not 
like we can argue about till the cows come home who's more evil but that's not the point it's kind of like you as UEFA coming out and being like oh this is like so bad for the fans it's like not that's not really why you care is it it's Mm. just a bit Mm. ridiculous um the question I was going to ask here is from um Isaac uh, at its why verid uh and it was how do you think the Super League will affect your relationship with Arsenal and I think this is something that I've been thinking about a lot mm. since because I think it's it's a very, very... I think it's a really pertinent question. Yeah. It, for me, it feels too early to, to, to say exactly how it's going to impact because I think, as I say, I think what will happen is a compromise. I think they're going to be put under so much pressure they're going to have to change, change this proposal um, if it comes in. And exactly how it looks is going to impact on what my relationship will be with them. Um, but I mean, ultimately, in its current, you know, the way it's being currently proposed, it, it doesn't fill me with pride or, or, or passion for the club. Um, it feels like entitlement. And I don't know if you feel the same, but I almost feel feel a bit ashamed um, yeah. To to fans of, you know, I've got friends of fans of the likes of Newcastle, who've been really big club in the past. You know, Leeds, Reading, uh, Villa. You know, fan, I've got friends of fans of of clubs like those, and I feel a bit ashamed to be an Arsenal fan at the moment um, when I'm having these discussions with them about about the league because it just doesn't feel right, and. Uh, you know, ultimately, if that continued long term, it's hard to um, to think about a positive relationship with the club. But it, it's still so raw and it's still so early and we're still seeing so many things come out about it. And, and I'm still learning every every hour, every minute even yeah. uh, at the moment. It's, it's so early that I can't really draw a line or, you know, say exactly how how it makes me feel. But I think, you know, that that's how I'm feeling at the moment. What about you? it's um i i mentioned earlier like the emotional investment in the journey and Mm. i think like let's take liverpool for example right the reason why that title win was so big is because of what they went through the previous 20 years um the heartache of the gerard slip all that kind of stuff culminating in this in this moment of pure exuberance and pure uh, uh amazingness for their fans i just apart from league titles i i really struggle to find the energy to have that emotional involvement in the story and the journey mm. I, it sounds weird but like i just can't you know we're going to play spurs four times a year potentially another time if there's a playoff like what's the novelty in that will I watch every Arsenal Spurs game if this was to happen like I just I ask myself those questions and I'm like I just really think the answer is I just can't I I I really feel like I don't actually have the emotional involvement in 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 kind of being a part of that story and Mm. I say that if the the Super League happens but part of me is kind of like well even if it doesn't happen and the champions league continues maybe in a halfway house between these two things again as i said earlier in the show the intent is almost as bad as the actual thing and the intent to me is kind of like well if this is the road that this club is going down and that these clubs and football in general is going down like i just don't really know how much of my time emotion i wanted to take up in the future and that's not to, mm. for me to say, like, I'm not an Arsenal fan anymore. If this happens, I would be. But would I care as much? Possibly no. And, like, I've had a load of people who are, you know, probably, like, a couple of generations older than us, Ali, who are, like, you know, as soon as we moved to the Emirates, kind of that that love died for me. Like, I literally know people who were home and away fans for, like, five years and mm. they watch a game every other game now for Arsenal. Mm. I don't think that is, like, an impossibility to kind of fall in, like, out of love with the club for whatever reasons. But now I just feel like this was the... If you're on the ropes, this was, like, the gut punch for a lot of people. And a lot of people, I think, 
and although I might be in the minority to be like, well, you know, instead of watching every single minute of every Arsenal game, I watch like 80% of them. A lot of people will still watch every game and some people will watch probably none of them and maybe dissociate themselves, disassociate themselves more from football. But mm. it's, um, it's a very tough question to ask when things are so raw, but that's my initial yeah. feeling really. Yeah. I guess the counter argument to, to what you're saying in terms of playing Spurs four times as an example I mean, currently, being a member of the Europa League and maybe the Europa League conference next year, if that goes ahead and we end up being being a part of it, who knows what's going to happen. But we're going to play some extremely non-interesting games. And I mean, we have. I mean, the last few years in the Europa League, the group stage especially has been really poor watch. Um, for me, there's been real lack of excitement. So... That's another sort of thing that sort of says to me the current approach doesn't particularly work either. Um, and it just flashed into my head on, on what a compromise might look like and uh, what you were saying there in terms of you know playing Spurs four times. What if the league was was bigger, the European Super League, and you played everyone once um, and that then allowed more qualification spots, which rewarded more teams in their domestic league. I don't know. That's just the off-the-cuff thought in terms of what a compromise might look like that addresses some of people's concerns with it. Uh, but it's hard It's hard to see how it's all going to work. But I do think something like that or some kind of compromise is, is what's going to happen because, as we've said several times, UEFA are going to change the makeup of their competitions even if everyone continues in those. So, you know, the game's modernising, things are going to change and we just need to to see what happens. And, you know, to answer Isaac's question, you know, things change so quickly as we've seen in these last 24, 48 hours. I mean, who thought that we'd be spending the whole podcast talking about this and, and you know, yesterday's game is just feels so so long ago already. Yeah. In the and it just, world, it just let feels alone like the it doesn't matter. Game. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like, you know, I can't actually tell you when our next fixture is and what, what the time is um, off the top of my head, which is which is strange. So, yeah, let, let's uh, let's try and finish off these last couple of questions um, quickly before we wrap up. So next one is from Goranga. I think I've pronounced that correctly. Uh, at Left Foot Curler. He says, would you say this Super League thing is Arsenal's best opportunity to join the absolute elite clubs? If we act competently, we should be able to generate, should be able to create one of the best teams in the world and long-term generate enough revenue to compete with the richest clubs. Do you want to go first for that, Pat? Yeah. Um, my, my feeling is, again, I referenced the Liverpool title win things things are, are better earned than bought or whatever the, the bloody saying is but do you know what i mean like i just feel yeah. that we are now as arsenal football club no better than chelsea and man city like we have at and psg we've critiqued these state-owned oil money fueled clubs to the to the hills right for the last however many years and now we want to basically quote unquote be part of Europe's elite. But the reason we'd be part of Europe's elite is uh, simply by having like, basically because of our history and there is some sense of entitlement by us getting a 400 million pound check for being part of this thing. I, I find it like, look in the cold lighthearted day, if you're saying to me, is this our best chance? Then I probably still say no because I think I don't think it's going to happen or we're going to have some weird like how the basketball was in the, the olden days where it's like the ABA and the NBA and the NBA was stronger. So they just basically engulfed the ABA and took all their players and took all their teams. It just feels like there's going to be this power struggle between these two entities if the, the European Super League does go ahead and mm. one engulfs the other, whichever way it happens and they come yeah. to some sort of compromise. But for me, like this whichever way it goes basically like and i can't see it going 
fall one way and fall the other. Whichever way it goes, Arsenal are going to be in a net-net good position, it seems like it, financially anyway. Because mm. you join the European Super League and you fuck off the Champions League and Europa League, you get loads of money. If there's some sort of compromise, you'd figure that Arsenal, as a founding member of the European Soccer League... Soccer League? Soccer League? European probably will football. be called that. <laughs> probably should be called that, wouldn't it? They've yeah. Americanized it that much. But like they would get a piece of the pie of some sort of negotiated uh, rev share thing with the Champions League if they converged. It feels like the owners have just been like, well, this is the worst case scenario. We get more money. The best case scenario, we get loads more money. It's just, again, buying yourself away but back into the European elites. And this isn't how football should be. And again, mm. you know it opposes the values of of the game and so on and so forth all those cliche things that we've discussed in the past like it, it i i think the cold answer to that question is yes but i would argue that is it europeans europe's elite anymore if you just pay to be there essentially or are mm. paid to be there whichever way you want to look at it i just it's a very hard question to answer isn't it yeah yeah i mean i've not got a lot to add to that i think sort of alluded to it throughout the podcast that you know as you say if you if you detach the emotion and what feels right yes it is to answer to answer the question um and i understand why why our owners who don't really care about football have done it mm. and uh you know that that's my answer and and ultimately what i think what you what you think and how we all feel sadly Someone's just Isn't compared this to, to, as a reply to my tweet. Someone, uh, sorry, I really want to say this because it's funny. Um, someone's just compared this to the Death Star. He basically just went, no one's a good guy in this, but this thing will destroy lives, clubs and fan bases. And it's basically the Death Star. Um, I kind of agree with that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I, mm. I, I do kind of agree. Like, this has been culminating over 20 years. And this is suddenly like the big thing that just... Uh, makes apparent to everyone involved this is the direction in in which things are happen- going sounds like something happening. jb would say yeah you sure you sure he didn't wasn't send it burner, to you from no. his burner account it wasn't his burner i don't think <laughs> right we are we're nearly an hour in so let's get this i think we've got one more yes um do you want to ask have... it because i have to admit i don't have the questions in front of me yes no <laughs> worries it was one that's not super league related so we'll we'll quickly round off on that because some football did happen and some football is happening. And uh, it's more bad news because the question is about um, Lacazette's injury that he picked up on Sunday. Mm. So JL at JL4MZ says, uh, assuming you get enough questions about the Super League, if he did, let me ask you guys <laughs> this. If we still play Europa League football this season, which uh, it seems to be confirmed today that uh, we will be allowed to, along with Manchester United, continue our campaign um, this season. And both Lacazette and Aubameyang are unavailable. So Lacazette's injury and Aubameyang um, has obviously got malaria and uh, the timelines on uh, something like that are, are very variable. So very feasible that we don't have both of those players for the semi-final. Uh, and maybe the final who would you play as striker and it's an interesting question because we've got Nketiah whose long-term future doesn't seem at the club but he came on at Fulham and scored a last minute equaliser don't get me started on celebration we've got Balogun who uh, appears to be signing a new contract so there's an opportunity there and I think the way he plays is a lot more like Lacazette uh, than Nketiah mm-hmm. but he's got extremely limited first team minutes so playing him in such a you know, big game is a big ask and um, I don't know are there any other solutions we've got Martinelli a lot of people talking about him as a striker Pepe. but we haven't seen a lot of it Pepe false yeah, nine we saw it a bit didn't we with Emery um, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen it much of Arteta we haven't seen much I think we saw Martinelli at centre forward for Emery and and not Arteta really either. So he's he's come on for Arteta up front. Has he? And yeah. we played. There was the League Cup game under where we lost on penalties to to Liverpool, wasn't it? Where he played up mm. top. I mean, my answer is 
I would like to, and again, is it William Force Nine again? <laughs> I mean, my fear is for, firstly, my fear is he would go with something like William Force Nine, <laughs> or he would go with Inketia based on the fact that I, I think he will. He doesn't think it doesn't seem to be thinking ahead too much, and whether he thinks Inketia will be here next season or not. I don't think that affects his thinking on selection. Right no, now. and this is the this is the constant battle he must find as being manager and coach. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it's it's like you know Emery would always pick the team he thought was going to be best for next game. But like, but 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 to bring the Super League into this question, sadly, on. sadly for JL, does this not now change how he's got to think about things like that? Because. <laughs> The, the here and now matters so much less if you know Inketi is going in the summer, which seems very likely. Well, I think I think Arteta's you're better trying. He's going to want a trophy. Yeah, he, um, he will for for himself. There's nothing else. Uh, yeah, like you know, even from a selfish perspective, like you know, he's won one trophy. I don't know who counts Community Shields apart from Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, like I just, I think he'll want to win it. I do think there is going to be that thought in my head that, you know, if we win it. And we get into the Champions League. It's kind of like, oh well, you know, <laughs> we're not actually in the Champions League, and it, it's the the mm. win doesn't feel as good. I think um, for me, I think he's going to start in Katia. Um Although that being said, right, like Willian hasn't had a minute recently. Martinelli's been more and more involved. Mm. There is like if. Odegaard is available, which is maybe going to be touch and go. He's not out doing ball work just yet. But I I do think he might surprise us in doing something we don't we didn't think was gonna be the case. Kind of like Shaka well, was, left back. Yeah, I was gonna say I wonder if something like Saka um actually through yeah. the middle. Because we've maybe seen him playing or Yeah. I don't know. Like it's possible. Something strange like that. But yeah, I think if if everyone else is fit, you know, you've got uh, Smith Rowe, Odegaard, Saka and Pepe competing for three positions so, behind. So, so you could put Martinelli up top. The me. other thing That's is, I... right, if let's say you start in Ketia, mm. who do you bring off the bench if you're trying to score? Yeah. That's the other issue, isn't it? Well, I mean, the, the positive thing about this negative is that we've obviously got games or it's just one game one game before the semi-final yeah so there's a chance you know where we definitely won't have both of them so there's a chance to try something out and and I hope he's more creative than just putting in Ketia there because I think that damages the team as we saw in the first half of the season you know no offense to him I just don't think it works for us and uh, I think something like getting Pepe or Martinelli or or even Saka so that we can have more of those uh, types of players on the pitch, more high-touch players uh, on the pitch gives us a better chance. That's personally what I'd do. But I fear yeah. it will be in catch. Anyway, we better I, wrap up. What did I want to say? I was just going to say, just to find, finally, so yeah. weird, isn't it? The Balogun was about to go and... Mm. Our star striker is out in malaria. Our second best striker, who is in the best form as probably his Arsenal career, maybe best to say, um, is now out with an injury. He's signed a new contract and he's clearly the future of Arsenal from an attacking standpoint instead of Ketia, who isn't going to sign a new contract. It's weird how, like, within two, like, not is it even two months, every single thing has gone his way, which is mm. sometimes it's just written in the stars, right? Who knows? Yeah, and I think we won't start talking about it now, but it can be another discussion. The 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 sad thing with this Super League proposal is stories like Saka, mm. stories like Smith Rowe, mm. the potential story of Balogun. Does that even happen? Probably not. They, I mean, you know, these Smith guys Rowe grow up. These guys grow up wanting to score in like a North London derby in the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and when that might happen, like a gajillion times a season or the significance of that Premier League game is just so watered down. Just loses a bit of the magic for me, doesn't it? Yeah, and I just think Smith Rowe probably never gets a chance if no. we had the money. Um, you know, Saka may have, but I think Smith Rowe and 
loads of other examples where players probably never get that chance and and what that does as a knock-on effect for England and, and their players, because look at what we've created for them potentially in, in Saka and Smith Road. You know, there's there's huge implications of this. And I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it more in future episodes, but um, we've been going for a, over an hour. As you can tell, we're a little bit flatter today um, than normal. Apparently the... Uh... Danish FA chairman and UEFA ex-co member says Real Madrid, Chelsea and Man City are going to be removed from Champions League semis by Friday. So I don't think that's kind of shut and dry just yet. So keep an eye on that. Right. Yeah. I mean, all of it's moving so quick. So things we've, we've said by the time you're listening might, might have changed. So I encourage you to, to keep reading things from reputable sources and not just, uh, Fake not just Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and fake accounts because there was a lot of fake news spreading last night, and uh, it's important to make sure you verify your sources before you uh, share things on, and, and we'll try to do the same in in what we share. So give us a follow over on Twitter at Fresh Arsenal Pod if you're not already, and uh, please subscribe if you liked it. Hopefully, we'll be back uh, soon talking about something a little bit more positive. <laughs> something and- else. Who knows what situation will be this time next week when we're recording next. But um, I've been PB. And I've been Pep Risha. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. Podcast Network.